Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I they're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, give me all that Boston Guard rap, Ryan Peachy. Just give me all of the new theme song. Just inject it yes. veins or whatever the young say. It. You like that, Brian? I love it. I was bopping over here, man. I was, was bopping my head. It's great to see you, buddy. Couple more yes. until the monster that is UFC 288. It is episode 407 of the Anakin Point Podcast. And I was saying off the air, mm-hmm. Brian Petrie with the haircut. I mean, hey, I, I would, I would hey. hang out with you right now. Hey, thank <laughs> you. Daddy-daughter dance last night. Had to represent. It was a little bit of a dodgeball, a little bit of a dance. Oh, wow. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, she, she's young. So the, the fifth graders were kind of dominating. But there was a moment where, you know, she's like, hey, I, w- I want to get a dodgeball. And I was like, okay. Kid threw it. I just grabbed it mid and <laughs> gave it to her. And she was, she was too afraid to throw it back. But, hey, listen, it was a pretty cool moment for her dad. That's for sure. Imagine Brian Petrie just pegging like five year olds. I wanted to. I just wanted wanted to just Billy Madison, (laughs) just lighten them up. I didn't. I was mature, but uh, that thought that crossed my mind a lot. (laughs) And again, if you are a first time listener, or maybe somebody who likes to bang on Petrie in the comments, he's 6'3 with a boxing background and some serious hands, right? This is a martial artist. Unlike. The host of this podcast, John Anik, right? Brian Petrie's actually a fucking (laughs) martial artist, ladies and gentlemen. So. Does your daughter know you have hands, by the way? She does. Oh, yeah, I have right. a I have a video recently of me hitting the bag downstairs, and she has little pink gloves. It's a whole thing. Yeah, she, that's she awesome. Knows. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you get your haircut more often? You're on television now. You're right, <laughs> and that's a hundred. And my wife is that's what she does for a living. She cuts hair, so this should oh. be. And I get it done in my living rooms, or excuse me, my kitchen. So it makes sense. And you know what? I'm gonna. I almost took it off, Johnny. I almost said, you know what? Let's Where's go. I said, let's go off. I said, it's hot. It's going to be. And she's like, no, no, no. We'll get it short. You got the dance. I was like, all right, whatever. 
All right. Well, uh, I'll take my conversation with her off the air, but I think we got to <laughs> okay, do okay, yeah, twice as much at least for the haircuts because you look like a million bucks today. By the right. way, shout out MCS Oteric, Seamus Ryan, providing the new theme song for the Anakin Florian podcast. We very much appreciate that. So we recapped much of the combat sports weekend on our show mm-hmm. earlier this week. We're about 48 hours out from UFC 288, so I don't want to necessarily drag sure. it all down with the song. You dong stuff again. But bare-knuckle fighting championships, to what mm-hmm. extent are you ingesting this product? Have you ever been hit with bare-knuckles in your life? Like, talk to me about bare-knuckle. Yeah, so uh, I have a <laughs> – uh, one of the reasons why I have hands is because I, I I got a little trouble growing up. So bare-knuckles is, is, is definitely something I'm familiar with. However, I can't get behind the sport. I don't know what it is, is if, if it's the limited rule set. I might sound like a pussy. I don't really necessarily love like cuts and bare knuckle just delivers a lot of cuts. Like Ben Rothwell within five seconds was cut. Beck right, Rawlings right. was cut. I tuned in cause platinum Mike Perry sold me. Right. I mean, Mendez and Alvarez was a banger, right? This is the first time I've ever, I've never, you know, ever really watched the full event. Uh, I'm not going to bang on their production or all these things like that. I just, I, tw- I sent a tweet out. I just don't get it yet. And I don't understand. I don't, I'm not coming around yet. This is their biggest event. And then our boy Conor McGregor gets in there. Like, I mean, the yeah. UFC couldn't be too happy about that. But, uh, wh- you know, what are you doing with that belt, Conor? That was the weirdest thing to me. I love Conor McGregor, but he throws right. on a bare knuckle belt, hops in there, stares down to Mike Perry, which is great. And I'm just like, why has he got that belt? Like, does he just grab belts everywhere he goes? Like, what are we doing here? This is silly. Yeah. A little corny for my part. But you know what? Uh, you know, I, I'm happy for Mike Perry. He's really kind of found a lane, I guess, after the yeah. UFC. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's he's a pretty big star now. And, you know, and he's he's he landed like two good shots. And Luke was like, what am I doing here? I'm too pretty for this. I don't know what I'm doing here. My teeth are <laughs> like, I'm done. Uh, but yeah, so I, it's just, it's just not for me. It's just not for me right now. I don't think, I don't know if Can I'm ever going to come around to it. Ken Flo, how are you with the damage and the blood? And I'm not going to make a Kenny Florian elbow joke right now about you yeah. slicing up it's all there. your opponents. There. You know what I'm saying? It's right fucking there. But <laughs> like, I am drawn to the blood. Right. Like my twin brother loves watching fights when there's just blood all over the canvas. But I am drawn to it far less so in this setting because, Mm -hmm. to Brian's point, the damage seems so severe and so immediate. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Listen, if it's not my blood, I don't have a problem. I think think it's (laughs) right. No, no, I. uh, I, I I don't have a problem with the blood at all. Um, I'm more of like I don't like the compound fractures that you'll see sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like when someone like when Anderson Silva broke his leg. Like I've only mm-hmm. seen that once. Uh, I don't like seeing that stuff. So that kind of bo- that is a bo- the cuts don't bother me. Um, but as far as the BKFC thing, like I, I'm not paying to watch it. I don't. I've seen some highlights and things, but I don't. Um, I, I don't get up for those things. It, those right, aren't things right. that necessarily excite me at this stage of the game. But, uh, yeah, more of a MMA guy. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that yeah. stands for all of us. I was particularly drawn to this live event because of Platinum Mike Perry. And sure. just as somebody who has rooted for him, you know, close up and then from afar since he left the UFC. And then just the name value of guys like Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendes had me tuned that in. Was great and play. the king of Kenosha, yeah. of course, Ben Rothwell. How could we forget? But yes, a lot of damaging content over the weekend for uh, for BKFC. But after several consecutive UFC fight nights, it is back to pay-per-view for the combat sports leader this weekend. UFC 288 is absolutely 
absolutely loaded. The headliner on paper about as close and as good as it gets. The incumbent Bantamweight champ, Aljamain Sterling, slightly the underdog right now on DraftKings Sportsbook as he defends his title against the returning former two-division champ, Henry Cejudo. So many compelling matchups at UFC 288. And you can place your bets on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC right now. New customers can make a $5 bet and score 150 in bonus bets instantly. Now, everyone, new customer or otherwise, can take advantage of all the MMA action. Take it to the next level with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. All you do is combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. Brian Petrie knows a thing or two about those same fight parlays. Now, two biggest fights of the night. Should both be hotly contested. The betting lines reflect that. They are tight. Aljo and Cejudo essentially has been a pick em all week. Gilbert Burns right now a slight favorite against Bilal Muhammad. That is a major major welterweight title eliminator there great card really to bet across the board and you can do just that get in on the action right now download the DraftKings Sportsbook application use code AFPOD bet $5 on any UFC 288 fight and get $150 in bonus bets instantly that is this Saturday on DraftKings Sportsbook with code AFPOD gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER all right I'm not tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Update the standings here first. So (laughs) my brother says that this format doesn't do you guys any favors. And so I'm going to put this out there to the listenership again. Now, Kenny's in the black right now, so mm-hmm. I'm sure he has an opinion on, on all of this. And at Anatorian <laughs> Pod, if you think there's a better system out there, we make you guys pick all but one fight. You have to make a prediction on the main event. But yes, like my brother basically says, you sit here and you tell the audience that Brian Petrie is minus $3,000 when, you know, he's doing renovations on his house with all of his winnings <laughs> on DraftKings Sportsbook. So... I don't know if I need a new system or what. I can tell you that Brian Petrie went two and two last week. He had a five unit miss on Ricky Simone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big dog, big miss. So uh, you were minus 525 for the week, minus 3515 on the year. Ken Flo puffing out the chest, three and one on the week, three unit hit on Kyle Bohalio. Okay. Yes. 400 for the week. So Kenny right. Florian is back in the black on the year, plus $10. Hey, oh. For Brian Petrie Big is $3,525. Well, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, when yeah. you got to keep swinging. You got to keep – I get messages like, bro, quit doing the five uni bets. And I said, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it, right, because I'm I'm over for the year. But the only way to get back the deficit is to load up on the five unit yeah. bets. I mean, this is the only way to do it. Yeah. I'm going to start getting some fights right here, and we're going to start coming back. Uh, I was surprised by Ricky Simone's performance. I mean, more maybe I'm more surprised by his performance or how good Song Yudong was. 
because that's a read that a lot of really sharp people had on Simone, uh, myself, Kenny, you know, I mean, other people that I, that I respect in the business. Um, but that's just, a, that was just a weird performance by song, but you know, you take the L's. This is part of the game. This is what we do. I hit a couple, hit a couple, you lose a couple. That's what it is. But unlike stick and ball sports, Bri, you oftentimes yeah. just don't know which version of this athlete is going to be presented. True. Now, Ray Longo was dismissive earlier this week about a lot of what I was saying about Song Yudong, and that is fine. But Song Yudong looked better to me. And I think part of the reason why Ricky Simone maybe was listless at times is because he didn't have a lot of answers and the more yeah. damaging strikes were being landed by Song Yudong. All right, seven picks for you today. UFC 288. Card really warrants it. We're going to start at strawweight where seemingly – some money has come in on Vina JNG Doba. Marina Rodriguez was minus 170 earlier in the week. Now, minus 140 against JNG Doba, who can be had at plus 120. The eyes of Brazil are going to be on this one. Brian Petrie. Rodriguez on the cusp of a title shot prior to being stopped by Amanda Lemos late last yeah. year. Your thoughts on her here against Vina JNG Doba. Speaking about unit bets, I believe I had a couple units on Marina Rodriguez against uh, <laughs> Lemos because uh, that was something that surprised me. Rodriguez is is she can <laughs> she can she can scrap. She's very fast. She's good. She's quick. She's well rounded, and then she just got clipped by those hammers by Amanda Lemos. I mean that's that's the name of the game. And Jan Jaroba, very good grappler. Love her hair. It bounces all over the place. It's very distracting. Uh, you know, world-class BJJ, but, you know, uh, she's trying to get her striking involved with the with the takedowns. I think her takedowns are good and maybe like round one. And once you stuff her enough, she's not going to really chase it. And then she's like, okay, let's scrap. Let's get on the feet because she's got the dog in her. And I think Rodriguez is the bigger, better fighter here. Even if it gets to the ground, I think she's going to be okay. I think she might be a little embarrassed by her last time out because it did end quickly. And that was something that I think that was a huge fight for, maybe title implication fight. Um, and that that was something she just got clipped by by a hammer. That's going to happen. So give me Marina Rodriguez. You pronounce this the R's with the H's, baby. Uh, Brazilian Portuguese. And uh, yeah, I like that fight. I like that fight for you. <laughs> <laughs> lived in Brazil for a time, so he's really enjoying yeah. this rendition of Brazilian Portuguese. Yes. Ken Flo, uh, Marina Rodriguez and Vina Janji Doba, who do you like? Uh, the fight between Marina Rodriguez and <laughs> Vina Janji <laughs> Doba. Um, I'm not sure. No, this should be a good one, dude. I, uh, I, I <sighs> you know, I'm curious to see how Rodriguez comes back. I think that Brian's right. Uh, I think she's going to be raring to go here. Uh, I do think Genji Doba is going to be tough in that first round, like you said, because of those takedowns. They tend to be much stronger, like you said. I think that's very accurate analysis and good analysis there. Uh, and if she does get Rodriguez down, she could absolutely finish her. I just don't think she's going to be able to do it. I think Rodriguez is going to get a lot of her counter wrestling done with her footwork that's the best kind of defensive wrestling don't let them grab your legs don't let them clinch so i think rodriguez has the ability to do that if they do clinch she always has her elbows she has her knees she's doing a much better job of getting those overhooks and that head positioning uh so i think round one is going to be critical for her after that i think she can cruise to victory so i like uh Rodriguez here as well. <laughs> Rodriguez minus 140 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Jan G. Doba returning for the first time in about a year. She has won two of her last three. All right, light heavyweight. Kennedy in Zetchiku minus 190. Devin Brown, bear clock, plus 160. 16th UFC appearance for Devin Clark. Had a big win over Daun Jung back in February. Now he faces the Nigerian in Zetchiku who had a huge 2022 himself going for a third straight knockout here. Brian Petrie, you like Devin Clark 
or uh, Kennedy and Zechiku here at 205 pounds? I mean, Devin Clark is adding to my kryptonite. I can't get this guy right. When he's got the plus numbers, I run to him. I think, oh, my God, his wrestling's a takeover. Doesn't wrestle. And then when he's plus number, I avoid him, and he goes out there and wrestles Dong Yong Jun. I can't get the guy right. Kennedy has looked great. Big, big, powerful, um, big, powerful guy. Has struggled early in the UFC, but I think he's really rounded in the form. Three knockouts is very impressive, especially at this weight class. Um, his takedown defense is above average, even though he hasn't been taken down. I think Devin Clark, if he takes him down, he isn't the guy that really holds him down. He's like a more of a multiple takedown kind of guy. Kennedy works his feet pretty well. However, past couple of weeks, I haven't used the the thing where we 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 abstain from a fight. We, we don't pick. I'm, I'm going to use that this one. I, I, I can't get another Devin Clark fight wrong for my sanity. I'm leaning Kennedy for the for the people out there who are like, oh, come on, give us a pick. Leaning Kennedy, but no official pick. Uh, that's what, yeah, there it is. There it is. I'm, right, I'm, I'm not going to lay the minus 190 with Kennedy and Zechuk, right. who I think I did mention on these airwaves. I was at Fortis MMA in Dallas a few weeks ago, and, uh, and Zechuk is the hardest worker in the room. Certainly yeah. was on time. I really appreciate the way he's gone about his UFC career. He has... A lot of experience accrued at this point in time. Ken Flo, your thoughts on Kennedy and Zechiku, about a two-to-one favorite against Devin Clark this weekend. Yeah, listen, I think Brian hit a lot of those same points that I was going to make. Uh, I think you know both guys in some ways, but particularly Devin Clark is very hard uh, to gauge on on what he's going to do inside the octagon at any moment. Uh, it, it's very difficult, but I am going to bet this one. I'm going to keep it super simple. I'm going with uh, going with Enzechuku. I think he's got the better shot of not only winning this fight but ending it by by KO. So uh, let's go with Kennedy. All right, next up, we'll have Ken Flo lead us on the lightweights. Drew Dober, minus 110. Matt, the steamroll of Frivola is plus 180. So Do- Dober, you may recall, 2021 back-to-back losses to Islam Akashev and Brad Riddell falls out of the rankings. Now back at number 14 in the world, courtesy of three straight wins by stoppage all last year. Now he draws Frivola, Ken Flo who obviously has been on the Anakin Florian podcast. He has momentum in his own right, having finished his last two opponents, and that has set up for Frivola, arguably the biggest fight of his career. Your thoughts on Frivola against Drew Dober here Saturday night? Yeah, you know, Frivola does have some good momentum heading into this fight. I think he's faced some tough competition over the course of his career as well. Um, And I I think this is one of those fights where we're going to find out, um, not that it's going to determine where Frivola goes from here, but um, I I think it's going to be a good indicator on whether he could start to really be a threat and knock on the door of the top 15, top 10 uh, in that division. I think Drew Dober, though, has a ton of experience, and um, I, I give him the edge here because of you know the amount of wins that he has and the kind of experience that he has. I'm narrowly going with Drew Dober here. It's tough for me to say that, but because you know Ray is a friend of ours and Matt Fabola has been on the program. I think he's a tremendous fighter. I think this is a huge fight for him. I hope he proves me wrong, but I think this is going to be a close decision win for Dober just based on his experience. Experience. I think that's going to be the difference here, especially in you know big fights, having a lot of eyes on them. Kenny Florian, nice guy, not here to make friends. Brian Petrie, <laughs> here to make friends or give us a selection? Matt Favola, Drew Dober, who do you like? I'm here to do both. I'm here to make All friends right. and make a selection. I like Steamroller Favola <laughs> here. Where Sal the Bulldozer at? I got Long Island blood. I feel it, baby. I think this is a good matchup for him. I think in, if you're getting a name and you're Matt Favola, Drew Dober's the guy. I mean, he was his last three fights, he's losing until he wins, right? He's right there, and I don't know if he's getting out of the bed 
for a guy like Matt Favola. No disrespect. He's like, hey, I've been in there. I've been in there with, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. This is just, I'm, I'm taking this fight to take the fight. Favola's motivated. He's ready to go. His two blemishes on the UFC, in my opinion. Yes, he lost a fight to Armand Surukian, but who, you know, that on short notice, whatever, that kid's a beast. But he got clipped by Polo Reyes in a minute and he got like 10 seconds knocked out by Terrence McKinney. That's right. going to happen. Right. After that first round with the jitters and stuff, I think he slowly gets into his groove here. He's a good mixed martial artist, good wrestler, sets a good pace. He's coming off two knockout wins himself. Now we've got, we don't get much from Ray, but from what I've deciphered from Ray is this guy is a dog. He likes to get in there. He likes to scrap and Ray's trying to, Kind of hone that a little bit. Like, yes, we can scrap, but let's scrap smart because you do get clipped sometimes in that first round. Drew Dover obviously has huge power, but he does have issues with his wrestling. And I think Favola comes in, wrestles, takes him down, uh, and then just uses that cardio, that pace, everything like that. That's a Favola win, in my opinion. I think he's going to drown him after three rounds. Got to be careful, but plus 180 on Steamroller, take it. Take, Take my money. I'm taking it. All right, Brian Petrie likes Matt Favola plus 180 in the UFC's lightweight division this weekend. All right, main card opener in the featherweight division features Charles Air Jordan, minus 195 against the returning Crone Gracie, who is plus 165. So Charles Jordan has fought nine times in the UFC since we last saw Crone Gracie. I'd imagine that factors into the handicap to some extent. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw Gracie, October 2019, Bry, fight of the night against Cub Swanson. Jordan, three appearances last year, did lose his last two to Shane Burgos and Nathaniel Wood, but he's mm-hmm. favored here against Crone Gracie. Your thoughts? So I respect the Gracie family immensely. I mean, they're the pioneers of MMA. I mean, but I truly don't understand the, the obsession with Chrome Gracie. If I'm being honest with you, that when he debuted in UFC, I know he's a great jujitsu practitioner, but when he debuted, I'm like, okay, but like, you know, what, what was he got? Looked okay. Looked good. He submitted, you know, one, one by submission. And then the, 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 the cup Swanson fight was when I'm like, all right, so his takedowns aren't that great, and he and he sometimes can be a punching bag in there, right? He's he's a specialist for sure, and he's taken almost four years off. Do you think in four years he's really worked his takedowns and everything? I think he's out there taking mushrooms, talking about how the earth is flat and how the birds are listening to us, right? That's the kind of guy he is. He's a very interesting guy. Yeah. Meanwhile, Charles Rodan in there, he's putting in work. This is a guy who I thought was a little hesitant in his UFC career, and then he just started not giving a f- 300 kick Andre Yule, and that kind of changed his UFC career. And right. then the Burgos fight, super close. Burgos is a dog. He outstruck Burgos, but the takedowns were a problem. And then Nathaniel Wood just shows up to 145 and goes, oh, yeah, this is my new weight class. I'm a dog up here. Um, I like Jordan big here. I like. I, I think Jordan is is absolutely stud. I think he's got to piece him up on the feet. He's a block by himself. A little worried about his takedown offense not being all that great. It's sub, it's sub 50% right now. Uh, but I don't know if Crone can really get it down. If he gets it down, it's a problem. I mean, the, the guy is especially. He's very, very good. But uh, I like Jordan so much that, you know, shoot or shoot, five unis, Charles Jordan, let's go. Sign me up. I need it. I feed this to me, Charles Jordan. So a five-unit play on Charles Jordan. That is a $975 wager to need it, yield need it. 500. Ken Flo, Crone Grayski, five and one as an MMA pro, 34 years of age. Your thoughts on him here against Charles Jordan? Dang, dang. This is interesting. Um, I'm not trying to ruin your pick, Bri. I, I don't I almost don't want to say my pick because I don't want to go against the five nah, units. Let's go. But listen, I, I like Chrome Gracie here, and this is why. 
I think Charles Jordan, I, I think it's clear he's the better striker. He, mm-hmm. he knows how to put it together even in a lot of ways better than Crone Gracie. But Crone Gracie is just like those uh, knockout artists. They just need one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's how good a submission game is. You know, um, there, you know, we talk about, oh, this guy is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. They're, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts are very common now. They, they, mm-hmm. they are everywhere. There are Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, and then there are guys like Crone Gracie, who is um, one of the best black belts uh, you will see, uh, especially when it comes to his submission game, his end game. When it comes to when he gets the position, um, it, it's going to be unlike any other. Now, the question is, can he get there? Can he get the takedown? Can he get the position and solidify it? If he's able to do that, listen, I think this is underdog win for, for Crone Gracie. Um, and, and here's why I'm going to go with Crone Gracie. Charles Jordan is the better striker, but he gets wild and he gets reckless and doesn't make the best decisions in the cage. Um, he's the favorite for a reason. I think that's an easy pick here, but I do think Crone Gracie's got a shot. And if he takes advantage of one of those mistakes that Jordan will inevitably do, I think, um, in a fight, I think he takes advantage of it and gets the win uh, by sub. All right, that is going to be a huge swing fight between Ken Flo and Brian Petrie. We were also going to predict for you Mavsar Evloyev against Bryce Mitchell. That fight they have tried to make twice. Bryce Mitchell is out due to injury. Mavsar Evloyev, yeah, we'll fight a replacement opponent, but we're going to move on and get to a featured bout at strawweight. Featuring the former champ, Jessica Andrade. She is minus 190 against Jan Shaunan, who comes back at plus 160. Busy year for Andrade. Stepped in on short notice against Aaron Blanchfield back in February. And that came just a few weeks after her win over Lauren Murphy. So already third fight of the year for Andrade. 24th UFC appearance, Bri, for Jessica Andrade. Got to be most all-time on the women's side. Jan Shaunan really looked fantastic, I thought in her win over McKenzie during that was last October. I think it's a great fight on draws shout on Patriot. We need to pick which way you're going. Kid. I mean, it's documented how much I love Jessica Andrade. I mean, she's she's a stu- taking the fight against Aaron Blanchfield when you don't have to do that when your name's Jessica Andrade, and she did it right. And Blanchfield's a, an absolute stud, maybe future champion division. Now she's getting Yan Shannon, who is incredibly fast. Her ac- striking is super accurate. Her and Marina Rodriguez was one of my favorite fights uh, of the better year, the best year. Uh, just absolutely nonstop action. And Yan Shannon is really working on her ground game. I mean, she had some blemishes earlier in her career, but she's laying in takedowns herself. Um, this was tough for me. Usually I blindly pick on drops because it is what it is. And this was tough because Johnson on has really straight punches and reminds me a lot of the way Lee fight where Andrade kind of rushes in and loads up her power. And then the straight punches are there. Johnson speed is off the charts, but I can't pick against my girl Andrade. I think she's going to come out here. I think she's going to play bully ball a little bit. I think she's going to land some takedowns. Hopefully not. Uh, her cardio is impeccable. I mean, 231 strikes landed over Lauren Murphy. We're not going to see those numbers, but we're going to see a high volume, you know, pressure make diamonds type fight. So give me Jessica Andrade. Can Flo Jan Shannon plus 160 or Jessica Andrade minus 190 for you? Yeah, so this is a fight I'm not going to touch. I'm not going to make a pick on this one. Um, I, I think Jan is going to be the more technical fighter here. I think if she's able to keep this one on the feet, she wins this one. Andrade has some power, but we saw what happens when she's not able to land blows. Like when she starts to miss, she starts to get frustrated and starts to make 
bad decisions and she panics. We saw that against Blanchfield, obviously, who's a phenomenal grappler. But there are certain times where Andrade looks phenomenal. Now, those times are way more often than not. However, uh, there's holes in her game. Um, when she does fight well, man, she just bullies her opponents and absolutely decimates them. Uh, is this the girl that she can decimate? I don't know. And this is why I'm not touching this one. I think that this one's really close to call. I, too close to call. I don't think there's enough value for me to go strong on Andrade. Um, Yan Shanan uh, is, uh, you know, slight underdog. I don't think there's a whole lot of value there for me uh, as far as at, at this stage of the game. And uh, I'm not touching this one. This will, this will be interesting, though. I think it was going to be a very good fight. I do, too. I can't wait for it. And you're well within your right to abstain. 74% of the bets right now on DraftKings Sportsbook are on Yan Shaunan. That is not the handle. That's just the total bet. So we'll see uh, where it ends up. I'm not surprised, though, that some of the MMA cappers and betters out there see some value on the streaking Yan Shaunan. All right. Co-main event. It came together quickly. Gilbert Torino Burns, minus 130. Bilal, remember the name Muhammad, is plus 110. Five rounds if needed to determine a welterweight title contender. Quick turn for Gilbert Burns. Bry after the big win over mm-hmm. Jorge Masvidal. That was on our last pay-per-view April 8th. Muhammad getting the big fight that he sought. Mm-hmm. We just need a prediction, Bry. Who yeah. wins the co-main event? Is it Gilbert Burns or Bilal Muhammad? I'm nervous, boys. I'm nervous talking to you. Bilal is family. I don't know him personally, but you know he's part of the, the podcast family. And what fucking gangster that Bilal does right here, right? Oh, I'll take a fight that I don't need to take because I'm on a fight winning streak during Ramadan on short notice against a stud and save the co-main event. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. No problem. And he's still not getting enough respect, in my opinion. I think this dude is an absolute gangster. Um, as the fight goes, it's very interesting because Balawas looked really good his last time out with his hands. The um, Vicente Luque fight, his movement was great. He was kind of pot shot and going in with combinations, and Vincent, Vicente couldn't really get a handle on him, and when he did, he shot for a takedown. And in the Sean Brady fight, he stopped him on the feet as well, so it's very interesting. His boxing is getting really improved. His movement, his lateral movements get really improved. And with Gilbert Burns, you don't really see anybody take Gilbert Burns down. And I don't think Gilbert Burns is sniffing a takedown on Bilal Muhammad, if I'm being honest with you. Bilal's takedown defense is too good his balance is too good i think gilbert's gonna want to stand up i think blau's going to stand up it's interesting this is at five rounds here um i think both guys decided hey this, this should be five rounds if, if i read that correctly so it's tough this is a tough fight for me to pick because i think gilbert's streaking right now but i'm a little worried about the back-to-back camps he is 36 right and this is another five round fight against blau i know blau's taking on short notice going through ramadan whatnot um I'm going to go Bilal for sure. I'm going to go Bilal by decision. I think it's going to be hairy in the beginning. And I think if as long as he can take enough sting off that of Gilbert Burns and start really wavering Gilbert Burns, I think we got Bilal Muhammad by five-round decision. And guess what? He fucking deserves it, right? No shot, no disrespect to Gilbert Burns. He's had a shot at the title, right? Bilal could have sat and fought Usman months later. He could have done a lot. He did it. He took this fight. He deserves it. He wants more. Hungry dogs run faster, baby. Give me Bilal Muhammad. 
All right, nicely done, Brian Petrie, who likes Bilal Muhammad, plus 110. I do believe you have an equally hungry dog and another gangster on the other side in Gilbert Doreen, Yo Burns, Ken Flo. Now, I can't sit here and quantify who's in better cardio shape. Is it better to have sort of the back-to-back training camps for Gilbert Burns? And the Jorge Masvidal fight, I think, in a lot of respect, was really like a training session, not a lot of damage absorbed. Bilal Muhammad, when he got the call, was doing charity work overseas. He is now out the backside of Ramadan, but this was not a training camp for Bilal Muhammad. Huge fight for both guys at 170 pounds. Not much lead up on either side. And since you didn't make a pick, Ken Flo, on Yan Shanan and Jessica Andrade, we'll need a selection here. Who do you like in the co-main event? What? <laughs> yeah, uh, this this is a great fight, man. Uh, uh, you know, this is one of those that's going to be difficult for me to make. Um, I, I think that for both of these guys... You know, let's let's just break it down here. Let's look at uh, you know first who gets what category for Bilal. I give him the wrestling advantage. Um, when he has a full camp, I would give him the conditioning advantage. I'll go back to that game plan. I think he he usually comes up with the better game plans. He's an extremely intelligent fighter. I'd give him the edge there. Um, when it comes to hunger, conditioning, overall game here, or not maybe not conditioning, hunger, overall game, I think they're probably even. Where where Burns has the advantage, I'd give him the advantage in the jiu-jitsu. I'd give him the slight advantage in the striking just because the way he puts it all together, he throws more kicks. I think he looks more comfortable um, you know, in that regard. And then with his camp, I think he's got a stronger camp, especially this time around. Um you know, what concerns me is this, and, and I think this is what a lot of people aren't really considering, is that you probably need six to eight weeks to get ready for a five-round fight. It's one thing to go in there and not have a full camp for a three-round fight. It's one thing to do that in a three-round fight and fight elite competition like you're doing something you know against, against Burns. But for a five-round fight, it's a completely different beast. Every five-round fight, was a totally different process for me anyway. I'm not, you know, the most physically gifted guy, but I needed more time, you know, five rounds, just everything changes. Mentally, physically, spiritually, you have to be in the right place and mindset for a five-rounder. Um, is Bilal going to be in that place and be able to push for five rounds? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Everyone is human, and that's where I see this um, the big difference. And I, you know, and and this was a tough one for me too, Brian, because you're like, all right, who has the advantage here? Is it the guy who's doing consecutive camps, or is it the guy that's you know pretty fresh? Mm-hmm. I think Burns is the way that he's built his training volume of what he can handle, having JC Santana and the guys over at IHP. You know, their experience as well, and they're going to know how to manage those camps back to back. They're going to know how to push and pull back. I think that's super important. Having all of those training partners and, and being, being able to prepare for that, I think the advantage as far as the conditioning at this stage of the game, based on the circumstances, I got to give it to Burns. And to me, that's the one thing that stands out because the way Bilal wins this fight is with pacing is with making it ugly and making Burns work way more than he wants to. Um, And I don't know if Bilal's going to be able to rely on that here. If he does, and if he's able to pull this off, dude, just in other 
um, you know, amazing accomplishment by Bilal Muhammad uh, and everything that he's done over the last few years. Um, it would be awesome to see, but I, I, just based on the circumstances, more than anything else, the, you know, that, that to me, the outside circumstances is what's getting me to lean towards Gilbert Burns here. You talk about hunger. I mean, both of them are extremely hungry. Gilbert Burns, to want to have this fight as well, yeah. uh, shows a lot of balls because Bilal is no f-ing joke. He is very tough to win rounds a- uh, against. That's that's the thing. Um, so I think that uh, for Burns, if he can you know, stay with him, and I, I think actually he'll have the advantage in the later rounds, in my opinion. But um, it's a phenomenal fight. I'm really curious to see how it goes down, but I'm leaning Burns here. Such a compelling, fantastic matchup. Mm-hmm. It stands to reason that Gilbert Burns' weight cut is going to be far easier than Bilal Muhammad's, mm-hmm. and that's just the nature of the size of both men just naturally, God-given size. I can't wait to see how it all plays out, and uh, I give both athletes a whole lot of credit. I'm fascinated to see the physical strength on the ground, right? I actually would slightly disagree with Brian. I do think Gilbert Burns can take Bilal Muhammad down. Really? We shall see. We'll I see. I think he's going to try. I definitely think he's going to try. It's not going to be easy because Bilal can can freaking wrestle, especially defensively. But, yeah, I I definitely think Gilbert's going to try to put Bilal on his back at some point. And, Cody, no, I will not be on the mic for the press conference. We are doing a press conference Friday for Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena. I will be up there at the podium for uh, for that one. But you got Dana White on Thursday this week. All right. Let us get to the main event. Take a breath, gentlemen. Undisputed UFC Bantamweight title fight. Henry Cejudo, minus 115. Aljamain Sterling, minus 105. Prices bounced a little bit this week, but Henry Cejudo right now slightly favored. Aljo looking to cement himself as an all-time great. Cejudo back for the first time since he defended this belt successfully. That was against Dominic Cruz amidst the global pandemic back in 2020. All eyes on Aljo and Cejudo this weekend. Brian Petrie, yeah. who wins the UFC Bantamweight title. Ooh, what a fight. What a fight we got here, boys. Listen, I was a big Cejudo a fan. I mean, from day one when he debuted in those gold, gold shorts, you know, before the deals. I was like, this kid, obviously the Olympic background, he's really good. And then... The King of Cringe came. I'm like, eh, you know, this guy's kind of corny. But then he leaned into it, and I'm like, okay. This uh-huh. guy has a little sense of humor now. He knows what he's doing is corny. I like it. Uh, terrific fighter. Amazing. Three years off, he's been coaching, but he's also become a dad. He's also got fat. So how much is his training camp is really getting him in shape? I know he's been working for a while. His mind is beautiful for the sport. Um, but – Take away his wrestling because that's what he's been doing his last couple times out. Uses his a wrestling for like an anti wrestling. He likes to. He has that kind of karate stance. He loves using his hands. His kicks are getting better now, especially his low kicks. So I see him wanting to stand up with Aljo. Obviously, I don't think he wants to mix it up with Aljo on the ground. And then you got Aljo, who's just a stud, right? People just do not give this guy enough respect. I get hammered in the comments like, "Oh, BP just picking Aljo because Ray's on the show." Yeah, why well, keep cashing those? tickets because he keeps winning there's no homerness it's just aljo's that good and you're disrespecting him right i mean the guy you know oh he fought tj with a bum shoulder he dominated tj i think it would have went like that anyway anyway uh aljo phenomenal fighter the one question i have in this fight right is aljo on the feet is very awkward he's funky he's offbeat you know when you spar a guy who's not your typical kind of guy who has this really offbeat rhythm it's hard to kind of catch up with that it's a little funky and he's the funky 
Funk Master for a reason, and Ray has really honed in on that. As Ray has really made it a good point of making him like that instead of being like, hey, let's straighten this up. No, come at that weird angle. So the stand-up is going to be interesting to me, but more so is the grappling. Can Aljo take him down, right? This is an Olympic gold medalist. I don't know, but have we ever seen Henry Cejudo get his back taken in the UFC? Have we ever seen him defend a, a, a knee bar? Have we ever seen him defend really anything? He avoids the ground. If it gets to the ground, what is a submission defense like? Because Aljo attacks every different way. Not to mention, Aljo is fucking enormous at 135 pounds. And I love that Aljo has been pressing Henry, Henry this week. I don't know if you saw that video. It went up to him. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Good job. He's just pressing him, right? He's just in his face. It's cordial. And Henry, I know he's short. He's a little thicker. But Aljo's massive. And I really want to know, even if Aljo doesn't land takedowns, he could jump a back. He could jump a leg. I don't know how Henry Cejudo is with his defense. We haven't seen a lot of that. But I do think this fight's going to play a lot on the feet. And I think Aljo's funkiness, even people write him off. He doesn't have the biggest power in the world. His kicks are really good. His hands come from weird angles. He stands with a lot of people, and he does very well. And Cejudo's been off for so long. He's 36. Cody shared that wonderful stat. I think Luke Thomas shared it. Champions over 36, they're like two and whatever, some some random stat, which is very interesting. I'm going with Aljo here. I think Aljo's going to win a five-round decision. I'm very confident. This was almost my – this was my backup unit lock in case Kenny went Charles Jordan, but Kenny went, no, 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 fuck you. I'm going Crone Gracie. Huh. <laughs> Good luck with that money. So I really am confident in Aljo. I think Aljo here with the layoff of Suhudo, too many question marks here. I think Aljo's too smart, too skilled, too in the zone, too big, too talented. Give me Aljo. Aljamain Sterling, minus 105. Henry Cejudo, minus 115. I admitted to being surprised at the betting line when Aljamain Sterling fought TJ Dillashaw. I thought Sterling should have been a far bigger favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit surprised that he is an underdog in most spots right now. Uh, Kenny Florian, Henry Cejudo, Aljamain Sterling, who do you like? Henry Cejudo is a phenomenal fighter and one of the best athletes to ever step inside the octagon, uh, to see what he has done, to go from high school into being one of the top wrestlers in the Olympic Training Center, uh, to win a gold medal at only 21 years old uh, in freestyle wrestling is just unbelievable. Uh, And then to come in here and be a two-division champion. The the problem is is the layoff for me, and Brian talked about that, and that's the big thing that stands out. Again, it's more the circumstances surrounding this fight everyone kind of compares this to john jones being away for a period of time the difference is for me and and maybe i'm wrong about this uh, and i could very well be but john jones has been he trained throughout that three-year process he 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 had a consistent training regimen where i think after this retirement i don't know if um you know, Henry really got back to training until at least a year off. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he was coaching things like that. I'm sure he's in and around the gym. But what does that do to your sharpness as a fighter, as a competitor, as an athlete? And I know that, you know, coaching is very good for your mind. And Henry is obviously a very smart guy and, and a great mentor and coach. Um, and I think that, that he has learned a lot since that experience. And I think being away from the sport, having been there myself, adds a lot to that process and can make you better in different ways. But getting in there and getting to work and being sharp right away at the highest levels of the sport against one of the best bantamweights to ever compete in Aljamain Sterling is no easy task. Aljo's been active. He's been consistent. Every, every time we see him, he's better. 
Um, and I know there's been, you know, certain circumstances, whether it's the first Piotr Jan fight or the injury against TJ Dillashaw, all those things, those are not his fault. He's been ready to go. He's looked extremely sharp. And Henry is also one of those guys that, um, yes, he's more well-known for his control of the back, but if he gets there, I don't know if Henry Cejudo is going to be able to be composed enough or experienced enough in that position to stop Aljamain Sterling from finishing it. Um, I also think that he might be dangerous even on his back against Henry Cejudo should Henry Cejudo go that route in pursuing a takedown. I, I think that the key, though, for Henry Cejudo is to try to get into boxing range, use that speed, and use that power. He is absolutely capable of winning this fight and beating any bantamweight out there with his power. He just needs one. Uh, but Aljo is so good at moving his feet, being a little bit awkward out there, mm -hmm. and keeping people at kicking range. That is going to be the key. Like so many fights, the person who can um, keep the proper range is going to win. Cejudo's got to be in boxing range. Aljamain Sterling has to be in kicking range. Is it that simple? Well, almost. Um, I, I really do believe that's going to be uh, the main uh, you know, strategy for both these guys and, and crucial when you're watching that fight at home. So, I think Aljamain is just going to be a little bit sharper. That layoff just kind of um, – that that's really what's getting me to doubt Henry Cejudo. Um, do you even ever doubt Henry Cejudo? I don't know. He's, one of, again, one of the best competitors you'll ever see. Uh, I, I'd love to see you know him mix things up and maybe get a championship. But I don't know if he's going to be able to do that against someone like Aljamain Sterling here who has been more consistent, who's been more active. I can't wait for this fight. One of the best yeah. fights in a long time. So intriguing. Uh, two champions from kind of eh, not two different eras, but two different um, important points in, in UFC history. And uh, it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And I think we'd all agree that maybe if any athlete on the roster is well equipped to succeed despite the layoff, yes. it's somebody who is the mental giant like Henry Cejudo. But, uh, right. man, what an accomplishment it would be if he can come back from three years away and beat a primed, primal champion like Aljamain mm -hmm. Sterling. And as we mentioned earlier in the week, this is one of those fights, guys. And I think it's hard to deny that. Winner of this fight, probably the best bantamweight. Yeah. You know, even more so for Aljamain Sterling, who's been more active. But for Cejudo and everything he has accomplished, yeah. this mm -hmm. might be for all the marbles. Yeah, I hadn't thought of the Cejudo side of that, but I think you're absolutely right. All right, if you want more from Brian Petrie, you can find him on social at Brian Petrie MMA. Appreciate you, brother. Quick turn yes. for us. We will see you. For predictions for Jailton Almeida and Jarzino Rosenstrike in a few days, brother. Enjoy 280 later, right? See you, boys. All right, Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. And that is going to just about do it for this week. We appreciate every last one of you who has supported the show as we have transitioned our full-length video episodes to this here DraftKings YouTube channel. And of course, the newly formed DraftKings Network. If you do subscribe and like our videos, they will populate nicely for you every week on YouTube. That also helps the show along the way, so we appreciate that very much. Thank you to MC Esoteric for allowing us, of course, to have the Boston Garden Wrap on the way in and the way out. Kenny and I, I don't think I've been this excited about something in a very long time. Thank you to Brian Petrie, our producer, Cody Merrow, the entire DraftKings team, our audio engineer, Will Berger. And we will be back with you either late Sunday night or early Monday uh, with a full recap of UFC 288. Until then, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Enjoy the fights. We'll talk to you on the other side. You'll live.
now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. 